Everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for... It's the Jingle Bells month. It's the Jingle Bells season. It is, it's cold and frosty outside. And uh, I don't want to leave you out in the, the harrowing cold. I could maybe leave you in the Harrow con- County instead. But I don't particularly want to draw the line at that. So let's get ourselves some partners in crime. Because straight from the halls of the Mountain King... I want him to help me not only manage the cold, maybe do a bit of mind management at the same time. He's here, but not just in voice, because he's going to come on and tell us a little bit about some TV that he's been working on. I've got Jake Ormier. Hello. Hello. Hi there. <laughs> that was a wonderful intro. Uh, it's like a f- guess who or a find the find the game name. Find the game. It's, it's, it's literally like going to BGG. <laughs> And putting yeah. putting your list of games that you've been involved in yeah. in a list, and then just reading, just just you yeah. know, just riffing off the back of that, you know, that's but that's. But wait, what's there's in. more. There's two. I mean, we could just. I mean, I didn't. Oh, that's an actual name of one of my games. There is. But wait, but wait, there's more. Well, I mean, you could sing it instead. Then maybe a couple of singing yeah. monsters. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I tried to remember, <laughs> yeah, but I tried to remember right, right. it, but I couldn't get off the page. So. Uh, no, you can draw That's your own. Great. You can draw your own conclusions from that. Yeah, I don't think this town is big enough for the two to four of us. Uh, dear, I mean, I might have just to go and hide. I don't know whether to go to the normal fort or the bell fort. Um, but anyway, either of those are quite shining for me. Um, but you know, I don't you want to continue this. I, are... I might end up in a headlock. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It seems you like know, we're both partners in crime on this whole this, thing. Yes, could be. I mean, we could get together, draw ourselves a grid, and then who knows, it could be a little bit of tic-tac moo. Um, you know. <laughs> I don't want to draw and, the line, but I think it's time to continue this. I don't want to... You could end up at the undead, and the last thing we need is some kind of zombie slam kind of going on. That um, wouldn't be good. So I think, I think we, could, we could try page two. <laughs> That's good. That was pretty good. Okay. So, um, I'm I'm glad you were following my train of thought. That was wonderful. Well, that, this is what happens. It's the kind of people say I'm pathetic, but some people say I'm empathetic. Uh, there's a little bit of of both. Um, first of all, to all the listeners out there, thank you for listening. The reason that we do this is because there's quite simply not enough, um, podcasts out there about board games. Um, I I occasionally check and it's like, (laughs) it's literally like chucking a rock into the Grand Canyon, there's absolutely nothing there whatsoever. Uh, and the second reason that we do this is because it is... I, I, um, I like to speak to people. I have no excuse. This is where we are. I like to speak to people. I like to reach out to people. And, um, yeah, and so uh, Jay's on to, to have, Here we a, are. have a chat. Um, I want to go... I want to take the clock 
kind of went way, way, way back, yeah? I played a lot of board games growing up, family, for sure. My dad was a big advocate of, like, game night. I always loved game night. Did you, I mean, when you're doing something like that, do you kind of, when you're playing games all the time, did you play, like, the same games again and again and again, or... Yeah, for sure. Yeah? What were your kind of, your favorite kind of ones that you played then? Oh, man. Back then, when it was families, whatever game that got us playing, I didn't care. It was Trivial Pursuit... Uh, mm-hmm. There's a Canadian game called Pole Economy, which is like advanced Monopoly, basically. Okay. Uh, but I, I liked it because it actually had more decisions in it. And you had to buy stocks and stuff, so it was actually interesting uh, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Pictionary and all those kind of party-type games. Th- those were mostly what we played back with the family. And there mm-hmm. was with my friends, I was playing games like D&D and Car mm-hmm. Wars mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Supremacy and all wow. these kind of games until I learned about Magic the Gathering when I was in university. Right. Uh, my friend Sen, Sen Fung Lim showed me Magic the Gathering. I'm like, this is amazing. What is this game? And I got went full head in, in, into that game and uh, just loved it. And then our mutual friend, Errol, uh, he got us into, at the time, they were all German board games. And we started yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And we started playing them slowly. They've been transformed into calling them Euro games, but yeah. uh, for a long time they're called German board games. It's funny, and yeah. So then we just that, and eventually we just like Sen and I were like, you know, we could we're creative people. We could probably make something. <laughs> Let's try making something. What do you do at university? Uh, commerce. Oh, okay. What kind? See, the thing is, right? What I under right from what I understand, okay. And this is my thinking behind this, is you you do a lot of stuff yourself. You've got obviously your own like kind of podcast and stuff kind of going on or your YouTube channel kind of going on. And we could sit and talk about, you know, what was the first game you played, Jay? Or what is it, you know, what's your inspiration for designing stuff? And I sometimes find it's nice to find a little bit away from the board games, just to find a yeah. little bit more about the person because it explains yeah. to me... A little bit about the decisions, and otherwise I could just email you the questions or ask you to record them. So I wanted to, <laughs> right. but co- okay. So commerce is this kind of retail commerce, general commerce, trading commerce, Was general too- commerce, just general business like wow. macro and microeconomics and accounting mm-hmm. and finance and statistics. And uh, I did not enjoy it. I was, it was like, I was in high school and I didn't know what I had to do, but you know, guidance oh. counselors like, you got to start figuring out if you're going to university. Yeah. And I just kind of assumed I was going to university because that's just kind of what smart people, I was smart back then. <laughs> and yeah. That's what smart people do. You go to university. I'm like, and like, she, she's like, well, what do you like in, in school? I'm like, well, I, like the mar- <laughs> I like the marketing class and I like yeah. our business class. We had a business class and marketing. And yeah. she's like, well, you should go into commerce because obviously marketing business, that's that's what she should do. But she didn't pick up on the fact that why I like those classes was because of all the creativity in marketing yeah. and all the creativity in running a business. Yeah. That, those are the two aspects I really enjoyed. And she didn't pick up on that. And I didn't understand either at the time. And so I went into commerce and I didn't like it at all. Well, how um, I mean, I how old were you? Probably about, what, 13, 12, 13, 14 when you were making those decisions? That were no, pro- probably like a year before university. So probably like 17-ish. Wow. See back, see where we in Scotland. What happens is you have like your, you have your main subjects that you study about fourteen, fifteen, and then you do advanced version of those subjects when you're sixteen, seventeen, and those qualifications help you decide, kind of whether or not you got the grades for the university or not. Yeah, and so well, I, I always te- had the good grades. I had straight A's on everything, so it was the, the grades oh, okay. were never an issue for me. So that was. <laughs> I could go into whatever I wanted to in a way, uh, pretty much. I could at least apply to whatever I wanted to, but I just had to figure out what I wanted to do. 
And you, so I just from that conversation, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to commerce. And, are you gonna uh, are you gonna annoy me now? Are you gonna annoy me now and say you never studied? <laughs> here's just, here's a story on that. I gotta tell you a story. I wanna hear so that. I wanna hear this. Yeah. There's a story about um it was advanced algebra for university. Uh-huh. And uh I went to I think a total of two classes the entire term. Yeah. I didn't write the midterm and I didn't do any of the assignments. Yeah. And I ended up getting um we, we had a uh, well, I'll just say it's, I got an A plus in the, in the in the course because they right from the get go they said your mark on the final if it's better than your mark that led up to that then that's your final mark. Wow! And I'm like, okay, I understand what you're telling me. I don't yeah. have to come to class. Great, I'll just study for the final, and that's my that's my mark. And so I just studied for the final, and that was my mark. <laughs> that was the last year they did that, by the way. I'm sure they did. I'm sure there's like, a couple of people. Nobody comes to our class. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nobody kind of turns up because they don't think just like, well, I'm, I'm going to do five minutes work. But what? But but in a, in a way that hmm. shows how ridiculous and ineffective the current schooling systems are, like like universities, where it's like, so I have all the knowledge, but yeah. I didn't have to go to university to get that. I could have read this tech, bought this textbook on my own, just studied it. But obviously, it's that stupid piece of paper that we need. What's that? That's good. Is it that line from Goodwill Hunting where he says that you realize he says you're going to sit and have a revelation when you're 50 years old that you could have got like a you could have just gone to the library and like paid like four dollars yeah. in kind of late fee fines and got yourself an education instead of dropping a hundred yeah. grand on a kind of a thing. I was like, like, yeah, okay, that's that's kind of how do you like them uh, apples? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's still yeah. I mean, I that that clip I seem that clip seems to pop up on social media on like either like yeah. TikTok or all these kind of these kind of these kind of short yeah. things. You mentioned. The rather wonderful and fantastic uh, Sang Fung Lim. You just yeah. mentioned his Sen and Passing. Well, he's my best friend. He's my best man at my wedding. He's my yeah. longtime friend. Yeah. He designed most you, of our games together. How did you two meet then? Was it just like a... Did you, was it a long it's time It's funny, ago? actually. Yeah. It's a funny story because uh, I'm in university and uh-huh. I'm in residence. And we had a residence party where people coming over to the residence party. Um and then my neighbor was a friend. Uh, my my neighbor in residence had some friends come over. One of them was Sen, mm-hmm. and I, I don't remember this specifically. But Sen tells a story. That's it's funny. That apparently the first thing I ever said to Sen <clears throat> was, "Hey, do you want to see my Amiga?" Now, for those <laughs> that aren't in the know, an Amiga was a computer system back in the day that was competing with Macintosh and with yeah. uh, um, Windows. And it was a totally, it was a Commodore system, like Commodore 64 yeah. evolved into the Amiga. And I, and at the time, the graphics and the sound capabilities were better than what IBM or Microsoft could offer. It was wild. So it was really impressive. And he, I guess, I guess I gathered from his discussion topics or whatever I was listening in on that this would be something he would enter, you know, enjoy seeing. <laughs> but my first words were, hey, you want to see my Amiga? It's like, yes, I do. And of course, and we were like, friends well, ever some, since. There were some brilliant games on the Commodore Amiga. I, there was kicking oh. about in here, and there was just like it was like we had like the Commodore sixty four, which was okay, and the music was pretty yeah. good. And we had the Spectrum, the Sinclair Spectrum, which wow. I probably well, I had a I had a forty eight k Spectrum, and then I had a one two eight k Spectrum, and then the flashy boy up the road, he had the Spectrum Plus three 
which had the disk drive in it, which was like, because you remember, if you remember the days of yeah. the Spectrum, it took ages to load. So we had a plus two, which had the tape recorder built in to the yep. machine. And when that wow. stopped working, you might as well kind of go home. But I remember mm-hmm. my brother got an Amiga and it was just like watching, he used to play games like all the games by the bit, was it the Bitmap Brothers? So he used to play yeah. like God, you know, Gods and Speedball yes. and, you know. Speedball was amazing. <coughs> all those games Speedball at the time. specifically. Yeah, ice cream, ice cream. Yeah, a bit excited. Oh God, good <laughs> wow. Gods was fantastic, but there was also then, was it, we got, I don't know if you had this over um, your way, but we had like Sensible Soccer for the first time. Mm, I don't um, think so. There was a, oh, that was just one of the best. I mean, they talk I about. I really enjoyed playing uh, Lemmings, oh. two player Lemmings, because you could cook up two mice to an Amiga. And so you yeah. could play two player Lemmings on the same screen at the same time. And it was. It still hasn't been replicated. I don't think you can do that today. It was wild. They've kind of. They were interacting with each other's stuff. It was great. They've kind of dropped that kind of dual same screen kind of thing. Everything has to kind of be played, played online. It's very, very sad. I remember Lemmings. And everybody went daft for Lemmings for ages. Yeah. And then they t- I saw them recently. They tried to bring Lemmings to the phone. It just didn't work, Jay. No. Yeah. Just... It's, it's kind of like the point-and-click adventure. Uh, mind you, I haven't played it. I'm intrigued to play the new uh, Return to Secret Monkey Island. Yes. Because uh, I love the, the Secret Monkey Island. But I remember playing like a Sam and Max game or something uh, that they redid a while ago. and But it was still many, many, many years after. And it's... The patience is gone now for those kind of games, I find, unfortunately. I love those games. Those are my favorite games growing up with the point-and-click adventures. But it's uh, funny how it's frustrating now. I don't know why. Day of the Tentacle. Yeah, those are great. Oh, that was a good... The thing with these these games was you either kind of got where they were going with with the clues or you literally went, right, I'm going to try the spaghetti with this thing. I'm going to try the knitting needle with this thing. So no! you couldn't Google a walkthrough. <laughs> exactly. And so it took me forever in Monkey Island to really realize that to get to turn this uh, bolt on thing, I needed to use an actual monkey because it's a monkey <laughs> wrench. I'm like, come a- on. I never... Why would I think to use a monkey on this? That's so weird. There was the whole thing about get ahead in navigation where you quite literally had to kind of like get ahead of yes, somebody that was going right. to guide you in a particular way. Right, right, well, right. Welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. Yeah. Where me and Jay this, are going to talk. Oh, we talk just about board games. We can't, we can kind of, we don't have to talk about it. They, no, they have got cares, enough, like, there's enough, like, you can go and listen to, I was going to say you could go and listen to the Board Game Snobs podcast if you wanted, but they kind of don't talk about board games an awful lot. Board Game Barrage, maybe, they talk about board games an awful lot. If you're going to keep yeah. gears, just kind of like general conversation. So, <laughs> you get your friendship with Sen ongoing, okay? So, were you, did they, did they become like your board game buddy then? Was that the person that you were playing a lot of board games Yeah, because he introduced me to Magic, and uh, him and another friend, Errol, we all played Supremacy a lot. Yeah. And that's basically, that was the first game I played that had like, like, it's kind of like Risk, but it's like a battle war game, Mm. but it had this aspect of, uh, there's seven phases in the game, but you can only ever choose three phases ever, every turn. Wow. Every round. And so that introduced me to this idea of like, wow, that, that's a decision. That's a really interesting decision. What am I going to do? And that's why uh, uh, I, I, I moved away from all of the combat type games and mm. moved into this kind of interesting decision type game. The German or Euro games as they're known now. 
Did that, did the part of that, did that form into the design, your design ideas that you followed? Um, I mean, it, 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 th- maybe the concept of like, wow, that's a neat, I've never played this way before. Mm. Oh, it's playing magic for the first, first time. You're like, it's just fascinating. Like, oh, this is so cool. So I can do any of this and that, and this does this. That's so cool. And so I, I think I always want to have that feeling in all my games that like, oh, you can do this in this game. That's so cool. Like mm-hmm. in the Hall of the Mountain King, you're like, oh, wait, you play them on a pyramid and you ex- you activate all of them underneath it. That's mm-hmm. a cool way to get resources. That's fun. So I always want to have something new or unique, or because um, uh, sometimes I, I I see this when I play test other some other designers' games where it's like, yeah, the game works and it's kind of fun, yeah. but it's like it's not really offering anything new in the world. It's the same kind of thing with just different colors and numbers. Do you think- so I kind of I don't want to design those games. I want to design cool games like junk art or oh that's the rock paper wizard like just games yeah. are like oh it was just hand gestures that's different do you think it's difficult to find that uniqueness when there's so many games of course yeah that's, getting out that's what separates yeah absolutely but that's to me is always the challenge of like what can we do that's different what's even if it's something that's you know you could take something like azul which it's like doesn't have doesn't look that new like yeah. it's just you know tiles and stuff but how you choose the tiles is new and fun and interesting and how you place them so there's it doesn't have to be like innovative like dominion where it's inventing a whole new genre of deck building so that's that's obviously awesome but mm-hmm. that's extreme and rare like uh hanabi did it where it's like oh wait we can hold the cards away from us how, mm. that's interesting or or the mind where it's like wait we can't even talk to each other and we said we have to play this game like those are all nice new experiences that I haven't experienced before, and I love experiencing those things. But those are rare. I'm just talking about, yeah, just something uh, clever, neat, unique. Like Harrow County for me has a cube tower, which you know there's a bunch of games, not tons, but a bunch of games that have cube towers. But yeah. my cube tower is built into the box, so you actually right. drop your cubes into the box and they come out the front. And that's just like, even though that doesn't necessarily add anything mechanically to the game, the cube tower does, but not the fact that it's built into the box doesn't. Uh, it feels cool and more immersive because it's it, it goes through the image of a tree which is relevant and important to the story of Harrow County did you see um shake that city from AEG I did yeah yeah and I was yeah it was Clever. two things about that I was fascinated by the way that it was and secondly I was absolutely fascinated but I was kind of looking at it and going I don't remember kind of seeing something like that before yeah, I, I will uh, uh, take credit for that game existing. Okay, right. Okay, let's hear. I want to hear this story. So, the, the pe- I don't know if you remember the pandemic. Do you remember that time period of our lives? That happening? Mm, it kind of rings, rings, rings a bell. Yeah, it happened recently, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And so, mm-hmm. we're almost a year into the pandemic, and I just start realizing that, like, hey, I'm not pitching games to publishers right now, and... I imagine publishers are also kind of starving for uh, p- pitching. So uh, mm. I came up with that idea and I pitched it to Sen and he liked it. And yeah. we got another person on board that can help us with the technology side. And we created something called the Pitch Project. Yeah. And we um, ran a, pretty much a competition where any designer could submit a, a sell sheet. Mm-hmm. And then we had 750 sell sheets submitted. Wow. We hired a whole bunch of industry experts and three judges industry experts had to vote on every single uh one that was entered submitted and yeah. rate them on the various criteria 
Yeah. And then the top 50 uh, sell sheets got to pitch live to over 40 publishers. Wow. At, on, on a specific day. <clears throat> and that game was pitched at that during this pitch project and it got picked up by AEG. So, so it's not like just a site. It's not like, you know, I. <laughs> I didn't it's design like, it, but I, I take credit for it existing. You should in the totally world. Take it's like, do you, do you want to pass the salt? Yeah, you shouldn't kind of just sugar that. You should actually say, shake that city. Oh, yeah, that's a really good idea for a game. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty cool. Is it true? This is a sideways question, but this is what I do. Is it true that board game designers are generally quite not the best at pitching their games? when it comes to get there's some people that are seem to be natural kind of yeah. pt barnums i'm going to change your life for this game this is going to be the best thing I, and other people are going to like say i'm sorry do you want to play my game i'm sorry i'm sorry gonna do you want to play my of game of course so i think i f- fell into this board game uh like about 15 years ago Sen and i decided to make a go out of it hmm. uh and try to you know not that we neither of us are full-time at it um but we like let's make a go out of it yeah. and it is now something that consumes me and I want to my entire life to be about board game design and board game making because every aspect of it I love. Yeah. It helps. It, it's got both sides of my brain with the creativity and with the analytical and uh, puzzle solving side. And then also um, the performance side. Like I did a lot of theater uh, in university days and, and post-university and uh, a lot of performing. And so pitching to me is kind of like just performing. And so it's very easy for me to to put on a show and be and, and understand that and on top of that i spent uh, i don't know 10, 10 or 15 years in uh, working in a national company here in canada as part of their training designer and a, and a facilitator mm-hmm. so i i've got i've you know over 20 years of working and training and designing training and facilitating and emceeing stuff like just so that to me is for me is easy and wonderful and i love it and i I understand, like I've been to uh, auditions as a as an actor. Understanding rejection as an actor is part of the process, and that's fine. And it's the same thing with pitching. Rejection is not bad at all. It's just like, yeah, okay, it doesn't fit with that publisher. Move next. Like everything to me is like um, very easy, but for sure, it's a huge challenge for a lot of people. They, that's just it's especially if you're introverted. That is nerve wracking yeah. to have to then talk about your game and to other people. Um, so, but there are agents out there that you can get that can help pitch your game and, you know, they take a certain percentage, uh, of, of that forever. But if, if, you know, if you don't have that skill set, that's something you can do, or you have to figure out a way to work on that skill set. And that's just by doing it, if that's of interest to you. But if it's too scary, then you got to find another solution if you want your games pitched. Have you, are you ever given kind of help and advice to people that have said, look, can you just help me pitch this? So, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got a few games signed by, and it's not because they need help. It's just cause I had access and mm-hmm. uh, that was that, that issue. Cause I, I go to like the gathering every year, which is a big, uh, invite only convention that's put on by Alan moon, mm-hmm. uh, designer of ticket to ride and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And so that's like a 400 people and tons of publishers go and tons of designers go and it's a wonderful time every year. And so that, um, uh, often in the past, I've had other designers say, "Can you pitch this for me?" And if I, I'll only do that if I like really believe in it or love it or whatever. Um, I don't really do it too much anymore, but I used to. And I got a few friends' games signed because of that, so that's nice. Uh, but I have recently 
um, started my own online game design program. Um, oh, okay. One of my brands, yeah, one of my brands I own is called the Fail Faster. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the Fail Faster playtesting journal that I had on Kickstarter a few years ago. It's like a journal that kind of guides game designers on how to take the right notes when they're yes. playtesting. Yes. And so I took that brand, Fail Faster, and, and now it's turned it into an online game design program where you can learn about game design. And the first course is called the Intro to Game Design, and it's it's like five and a half hours worth of you know thirty some odd videos that mm. you get to watch, and it's wonderful, and you get to make a game through it. Uh, the next course is going to be advanced, and then the next course after that is going to be about uh, pitching and self publishing. So I now, don't have those two ready, but it's coming. With something like that, do you do you pu- do you want to think about kind of like pushing it further into kind of like it's more in a kind of a an actual kind of live kind of teaching i mean one of the things the pandemic did do was it taught that you could do an awful lot of things kind of online through like kind of teams calls and zoom Mm -hmm. calls and things like that so is the next thing when you're running courses is that to say well let's actually maybe get 30 people in a room give me some money so and then yeah so a couple things on that um Starting in the new year, for part of, as part of my online game design program, I will be doing weekly calls where anybody that's part of my program can join in uh-huh. and they can ask any question and I can uh, help them with anybody that comes on with whatever. So it could be about pitching, for example. Mm-hmm. And secondly, um, there's an event in Oklahoma this year called TokenCon. It's a smallish convention, but they, they, they're uh, flying me in as the uh, guest of honor. Wow. And, uh, one of the things we've uh, brainstormed to do is we're doing kind of like a dr- Shark Tank, Dragon's Den type of thing. Yeah. Where uh, pe- people are going to pitch live to me their <laughs> game, and I'm going to give feedback about their pitches. Is that Sorry. is that quite a nerve-wracking event for yourself? Because, I, I mean... No, no, not for me. Again, remember, I have performance background. Like, I've done theater... But, I, I've done over 10 years of like murder mystery dinner theater. Uh, I've got almost 20 years of doing a one-man kid show that I've done for 20 years. I'm just thinking about maybe giving somebody kind of direct feedback when maybe their idea isn't as fully formed as maybe they think it is. Then that's, to me, that's wonderful. Yeah. If, I mean, I have the same goal as you do. I mm. want to make your game look as great as it is or can mm-hmm. be. And I hope and assume you also want that. So here's some wonderful thoughts and directions for you to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, like we, we haven't we haven't figured out if I'm going to play a character that is you know a bit more biting because that's sometimes more entertaining, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, or if I'm just going to be helpful and be like, hey, you should consider this. I'm not going to tell you to do anything. You do whatever you want. It's your thing. But you yeah. should consider this. This space should be. You, you should pitch this way or this. I got really disinterested when you talked. Started going on and on about the background and the lore. That yeah. does not interest me as a publisher. Yeah. I want to know more about this. So th- hopefully they walk away with going, "Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I, I can't wait to work on this pitch better." So I mean, your- you're me- you mentioning doing like obviously the <clears throat> entertainment kind of side. So is that what is it you're doing as a day job? Are you involved in that as an actual day to day job? Is that what you do? Uh, my day job right now is working in video production for a big national company where we work on uh, training videos and, um, you know, advertising type social media videos for our company. And do you, do you get in front of the camera for that then? I have often, yeah. Let's, I'm very wow. famous in, in my national company. I can go to any of the stores and they're like, hey, you're that guy in the video. 
are you, are you the guy that talks, you know, gets in front of the video and says, and remember and keep those fire exit fix fire exits clear and keep that first aid box kind of stocked up and kind of stuff like that. That kind of that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, I'm also fairly humorous, so I've been in a lot of funny videos. Um, you know, we have a lot of acronyms, so I did this whole video yeah. where I just used all the acronyms in like one giant, you know, paragraph and try to in an effort to try to make them easy let me go through them and i just go through them like super fast uh, and stuff like that so it's really funny like the kind of the micro machines guy from the oh. <laughs> a little bit a little bit <laughs> so are you a singer as well as kind of like an all-round entertainer? No. no i mean i have actually uh been on stage and have sung and people have come in an audience and i've been because i've been in musicals <laughs> yeah. as part of the theater background uh-huh. uh and many musicals but I'm always, I would say I'm always a background guy, but for once I had a, um, a couple times I had a, like a lead role, which is weird because I'm not a singer. Mm-hmm. What about the acting side? Is that, is that where you're more kind of Yeah, I love it. With? It's fun. Yeah. Like, I, especially the comedy stuff. I love the comedy stuff. I did a lot of murder mystery dinner theater stuff with those. Were yeah, you super, super cheesy, but very fun and funny. Um, you get to play all sorts of different characters and character types, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just hilarious and it's goofy and I've, I loved it. I don't do it anymore because it's not, I'm, I had to move from Ontario, which is a province in Canada to yeah. British Columbia did uh, they just, so, for my job. Did they just not have the the murder mystery scene kind of there anymore in British Columbia? Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they didn't, yeah. Oh, that's a bit of a shame. Um, yeah. So how are you scratching the kind of the creative itch at the moment with regards to kind of like, you know, rolling and acting and stuff like that? Yeah. So, I mean, I do, uh, when I got here uh, to Vancouver 15 years ago, I actually started up a a comedy troupe Uh to do some comedy. And that went, I did that for two or three years and we performed in bars and stuff and that was great. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting more into board games and I'm finding that I get a similar satisfaction out of, you know, whether it's hearing about people playing my mm-hmm. games or they're posting pictures about my games or there's reviews about my games online. That gives me a very similar satisfaction uh, internally um, as does performing. Just this like, hey, I created something artistically mm-hmm. and other people are appreciating it. That's That fills that void, that niche, that need that I have. So that's game design has, has fulfilled that. And now now I'm also a publisher in the last few years. I've become a publisher with Mind Management and Harrow County be my first two games I'm publishing. And that also fills those same needs as far as like people saying nice things about it. Fortunately, I made good games so far. So that's <laughs> helpful. <laughs> are, you, are you quite selective in the games that you're going to be putting out there under your own, own name? Oh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, my... Uh, when I decided to become a publisher, it was because we um, the publisher that had the rights to publish Mind Management went under, so we got the rights back to us, and it was mm-hmm. Matt Kint, the creator of the comic book Mind Management, said, why don't we just publish it, or publish it ourselves? Wow. I'm an artist and a graphic designer, I'll do all that, you publish it. So we made a deal, and I became a publisher, and I'm like, well, if I'm going to be a publisher, <laughs> I want to hang my hat on something, and the hat I decided to hang uh, on was the fact that maybe all the games I make should be based off of creator-owned comic books. Because this first one is, so that'd be yeah. cool if they all were. And so I decided that that's why I'm called Off the Page Games, because there's off the comic pages and into the board game world. And so this Harrow County and my mentor are both based off of really awesome comic books that I love. Because the thing about mind management is it's 
it's it's kind of striking in how fierce it is with the artwork. There doesn't oh, seem yeah. to be compromise. There's not compromise on there. It's kind of like this is our artwork. You know, here you go, and it's kind of like there's there's a it's there's a rawness to it, and there's it's yeah. kind of like there's not an overproduction to it. It's almost like there's bits that I like where it's kind of like this guy looks like he's had 20 minutes to sketch and fill this in and I like that I like this kind of I've committed this to the page and I've not done it 27 different times in order to kind of get make something happy or something like that yeah that's Matt Kent's style man I love it I've, I had have and had two pieces of his artwork hanging in my office right now yeah uh, even before I, I uh, made this deal with him so I've, I've loved his style of art the scratchy kind of yeah, version of art. It's wonderful. Yeah, I just, I, I would say that even though some of it, like at all, like you're saying, I, I agree with what, exactly what you're saying. And I'll say one thing though about um, the board of the, the artwork of the board itself. That one actually had a lot of I, I don't know if compromise is the right word, but it had a lot of um, challenges. It was the most challenging thing hmm. uh, Matt Matt has ever had to create because it was out of everything in the entire game, the board had certain functionality requirements, which is something he's never had to deal with in art. Yeah. You don't have to have anything. There's no requirements of art generally, except for your own internal desires of what you're trying to express or say. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not a functionality aspect. And so this game board has, you know, there's two little features in every little square location on this board and they need to be prominent. They need to pop. And when we, when he first showed me his first board design, like I absolutely hated it. It was so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> And I was very worried. I'm like, this is not good. And but he provided some other art at the same time. So I'm kind of saying, hey, this is good. This is good. Mm -hmm. Now for this, this, and I start kind of dancing around it because I'm like, he's like somebody I really admire and respect. Yeah. And I'm trying to say like, what I, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just trying to say, so you know how some pieces, you know, of your art I can hang on a wall. It doesn't feel like this is something I would want to hang on a wall. Like I'm trying to beat around the bush, and he interrupts mm. me. and He's like, Jay, I don't like it either. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and we talked about it a bit more and yeah. once he finally got everything he's like i think i have an idea and he did what he did and i love it it's it is very beige and tan colored but it's 100 on purpose because it needs to be that it needs to be this muted city background so that those features really pop when you need to find a reconnaissance parrot you need to be able to see all five of them very quickly yeah yeah and they do pop yeah absolutely and <laughs> It, again, it just it, it it's almost like I've found this old comic book and it's been sitting there for a while and the pages are a bit faded and I don't know what I'm kind of getting myself in for. The la the language, even the language on the board, is kind of quite. It's very evocative. It's almost it's like a challenging. This is kind of like an espionage simulator. You know, there's the yes. I love well, the little the word game is in quotes. I love the little things in the side with just the kind of was the um depending on the lens that you were using to kind of view the kind yep. of, it's almost like the 3D thing. It's kind of like making, it's it's kind of, what do they call it? Breaking the fourth wall. It's kind of like, we're very, very much aware we're a game. You know, normally it's like... Or are we? Yeah, exactly. This is a game trying to, you know, this is a game that's saying, well, there is a theme here, but, you know, are you sure it's a theme? We could be the theme yeah. or this could be the real thing or is everything around or, you as part of the game? Yeah. I just, I kind of really, really appreciate... Uh. I kind of breaking kind of out there especially when you see games where they're like fitting a theme 
and the components and the mechanics and everything like that are fitting their best into the theme and you're just like going, this is as loose as it's getting. The thing I liked about mind management is like, this is a box, okay, just come on, put it on the table and kinda and kinda kinda get it get it kinda played. Um Yeah. Matt Matt and I had a very aligned sensibilities about how we wanted this to come out. Mm. Uh, we we're both additive in our suggestions, so like this is greater than the sum of either of our uh, wildest wishes because we got to put two creative people together it's way better than either of us could have individually imagined and there's also the things about you've got the additional kind of pieces in the box it's like normally when i speak to people about designing the game i say to them well is there is there stuff that you cut out and left out and it's like yeah yeah sure sure and it seems that you guys went yeah, we cut it out, but we just put it in this. Yeah, you still got <laughs> it. white box over here. Fourteen so you... boxes of them. Yeah, which is kind yeah, of... it's wild. We we kept playtesting the game, mm. and when you playtest with the same people, mm. and one side in a one versus many game, if one side loses, they're going to give you a lot of feedback about why they lost and what they could do better if they had this tool or that tool. And so next time we play, we add this tool or that tool to the game, and then the other mm. side would lose, and they're like, "Well, you know what I could use? I could use this tool or that tool to help me." And we just kind of kept making it bigger and bigger. And then when we played with a new group, and ironically, it happened to involve name drop here. It happened to involve Matt Leacock and Evan Derrick, some other big-time game designers. Yeah. And it kind of broke their brains. And they're like, this is too much. Like, it's too steep. And we're like, oh, shoot. Uh, it's good, though, just so you know. <laughs> you yeah, can't get there yeah. from here. But uh, so we stripped it all out to its core. And then we put all these things in a little shift packages. And Brilliant. With... with- and then moving on to like Harrow, Harrow County, mm-hmm. um, was that? I mean, again, it's kind of like it's it's not as obviously as out there in terms of the art, I would say. But obviously, you've gone mm-hmm. for like the mechanical kind of difference in there. I mean, is this what you're gonna? Is this the plan with off the page? Is it gonna be? We are looking for things that are gonna be different. We're gonna be looking for things that are gonna be a bit more challenging, or just something that you don't normally see kind of every single day. From something that you get yeah. from a shelf. That is generally my game design philosophy for just any game I'm part of. It's just, it's got to have some, like if I'm designing with a partner and we kind of come up with the concept, I'm like, yeah, this will probably work, but it's not clever enough. It's not new enough. It's not interesting. Like, how can we turn this on its head a bit? And then we'll, you know, brainstorm until we come up with a cool thing. We're like, yeah, that is cool. Uh, so same with off the page games. <laughs> Um, it also kind of is a synonym for like off the page is kind of like table presence. It just mm-hmm. jumps off the page at you. And so I want all my games to have some sort of cool table presence, whether it's, uh, you know, the real cool screen in my management, it's really visual or the box has to go on the table for Harold County. Cause I've got the cube tower built into it. I just, that's, that's part of it having table presence, but then, yeah, I want it to be, I just want it. I know I, I can tell from my experience in being around in, in the board game industry that the games that a lot of the games that do well are because of they have something innovative and that people want to check it out. Like, I got to check that game out. That's cool. And to me, that excites me the most. I buy games that have just a cool concept to it. I'm like, that's I want to buy that game. That sounds really cool. Um, like even something like Looney Quest, which is, you know, more of a you know family game, but it's like everyone has to draw on these transparencies and then you line it up to this kind of puzzle maze thing to see if you made it through the maze or not. I'm like, that's cool. That's a, I've never seen a game like that before. I want to play those kind of games and I want to make those kind of games that are just out there. And I have some lined up. I'm just waiting for my next <laughs> game is already signed. 
yeah. with a comic book creator, and I'm actually not designing it. Sen and uh, one of his other partners, Alara, are designing it. Wow. Uh, but it's also super different and, again, asymmetric and has some really out there ideas to it, which is wonderful. And then the next game after that, which is I'm waiting for them to sign, so I guess it's not official yet. But if it is, if they sign it, man, that's way out there. And it's a really cool idea I've never seen in a board game. I'm super excited. You st- I mean, you still sound very excited in terms of the hobby anyway. I mean, you still oh, yeah, are you still seeing kind of new things that are happening and things like time, you know, yeah. games are out there just now that you're kind of like going, yeah, I'm going to get this to the table. This kind of this is really really interesting to me. Yeah, that's uh, that's what gets me excited is is the newness of things. Like that's really neat. That's a really cool thing. So yeah, when we were offered the set and I were asked to pitch a, uh, an escape room kind of game, mm-hmm. uh, but based on an IP, how would we do it? And we came up with a system for Scooby-Doo of how it would work. And then we won. Our pitch was the best. And so that wow. was, to us, really fun. So we made a escape room <clears throat> Scooby-Doo game. Uh, and then now that, that series is continuing. It's called the Coded Chronicle series. So we did a Shining game. We did a Goonies game. Yeah. And we're just wrapping up our fourth game in that series. But that's, to me, it's just like, that's a new way to do escape rooms that I haven't seen, where you've each character has a little narrative guide. Yeah. And you interact. It's just like a point-and-click adventure, like Zach McCracken or whatever, where you... You actually, this character, you know, look at this, and you look you at the look <laughs> number, which is like maybe a one. Yeah. You put it in front of a, a armoire, which has a three-digit number. So one, four, five, seven. So you look up one, four, five, seven in one person's book, and it'll tell you what they see. And sometimes yeah. it makes you reveal new cards or new tiles and or open envelopes. It's a really fun and uh, awesome system. So we're having a lot of fun with that. So other things that you're having fun with what's next what's what are you doing at the moment with yourself to keep yourself busy I, i'm just probably should ask the question do you ever sleep because <laughs> you seem to be just, constantly it's, it's not as fun to sl- it's not as fun to I sleep suppose. it's more fun to do stuff but yeah. you know eventually you're going to get payback on that so um it's true but speaking of payback <laughs> yeah interesting segue um, I pitched I pitched an idea a year ago to a, a friend of mine who's a, who's produced a, a few TV shows. Yeah, and uh, he liked it, and so we we went forward with it, and we just filmed it two weeks ago. So we uh, it was a TV show for the concept is having stand up comedians play board games, and while we've had games uh, shows like Tabletop with Will Wheaton on before, which yeah. is wonderful. Uh, my pitch was like not that was as not. We, we won't concern ourselves with explaining rules. There's so many other videos and, and, and resources out there to help you understand how to play a game. That's not the purpose of this. No. The purpose is to show the, how fun it is to play this game. Man, that, that game looked like a lot of fun to play. Let's, let's get that game. We'll have to watch some other video to explain how to play it, but it looked like that. A lot of fun. They were joking around and uh, good stand-up comedian jokes and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, we filmed it and it was a very awesome production. Like uh, I was just really happy and impressed with the level of professionalism by everybody we had like two, i don't know two videographers and a director a sound person or two grips a social media person doing behind the scenes footage wow. five stand-up comedians it was uh wonderful it was really cool so uh, now we're in the editing phase so that's it'll be out mid next year uh, we we did we did it through some um uh bell which is a uh national um, cell phone and TV and what communications company here in Canada. Yeah. Um, and they offer grants for uh, helping provide content for their local, cha- not local, it's national, for yeah. their ch- uh, channel um, that does focus on something in the community. 
And so for this, we had to add some scenes of us in the community preparing for this mm -hmm. show. Uh, but the good thing about this is that we also own the content. They have a 90-day exclusive window to air it on their channel. And then after mm -hmm. that, we can do whatever we want with it. And we will be editing it down and get, getting rid of all the community stuff and editing it to, and making just this payback show. And it's called Payback because at the end of the show, they, they get to vote on which of the uh, comedians should get payback based on maybe winning the game or based on actions they did in the game that hurt them. Uh, and that player has to do something shameful at the end, just during the credits, like wear a A-frame and walk around downtown or something. Is it, something so. is it something you could turn into a series then? That's So that's the concept. So we want to try to pitch it to like the Geek and Sundries or Funny or Die or something like that yeah. and try to get it as, a, as an ongoing show, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I think one thing that we've... One thing that I think is slightly missing in the kind of the tabletop arena is the kind of the entertainment for the entertainment type thing. Now you yeah. can go... I mean, um, Paula Deming does a really good job with the kind of the skits and the yes, sketches that they does. do. I mean, they're she's really good at what she does. And... Um, You've obviously got podcasts like, you know, This Game is Broken and things like that. But it's... And we're not wizards. I've heard of that one. Like, <laughs> really I, I don't know. I think they're lying about whether or not they're a wizard. Um, but there seems to be some... I mean, it's almost like I see a lot of... There's a lot of short form kind of comedy stuff. And I think TikTok's yeah. been very good for kind of introducing um, kind yeah. of short form kind of comedy where people make kind of little skits. But I think it's like one of these things is like, I think the board game audience kind of, they want instructional videos, they maybe want reviews, they want maybe playthroughs. And I think they're getting on the cusp of saying, actually, could we have some entertainment based around the hobby because of how the hobby is getting? Yeah. I'm absolutely perplexed as to why there's not some kind of Magic the Gathering kind of TV show like a poker kind of thing yeah like a kind of a championship that ever always you know that would be like a five minute kind of skit or sketch or people talking about you know different things or then having kind of like a poker stars kind of a now let's go into the tournament and them actually filming them in a proper kind of environment yeah. especially with them you know the the kind of the money behind it that always just bamboozles me because you know as to why we're not we're not kind of doing that and i think I'd like to see kind of more entertainment stuff, but I know that I know that when you see YouTube comments of people that have tried entertaining stuff, if it's comedy is incredibly difficult to do. It, that, it, that's hard too. I can imagine with magic it would be hard because you'd have to be a diehard magic user to be able to follow because there's so many cards coming out all the time. Oh yeah. That like what does that card do like you'd have to pause the video and please explain it to me because i don't or, you know they for every single card that they had in their hand it'd be it'd be this, whereas a poker is like everyone knows how to play it basically you know what i mean so yeah. it's a lot easier to just start watching and understand their motivations of what they're trying to do where so magic would be so hard uh that that's probably i imagine why that's the hurdle you'd have to try to figure out how to solve i guess it'd be almost like there'd be a freeze frame and you could say okay let's have a little five minute session of why this person's got this cards here and why they're going to play that card and kind then, of thing and then that becomes less entertaining like the more you explain the less entertaining it gets yeah you know what i mean like that's what we, we found that we're trying to in our editing we're going to figure out where that balance is so that our show is more entertaining than it is informational yeah it's kind of interesting like how, much, how much how much as a viewer do you have to understand how the game works for you to understand 
and have fun with this show. That's uh, what we're trying to figure out. It's kind of interesting. I don't know. Um, you might actually get access to the BBC over in lovely Canada, but they've got a show in at the moment called Traitors, and it, it is literally werewolf <laughs> in a big format. So oh, wow. what they have is they have like they've got everybody up at the Scot. They've got about fifteen people up at a Scottish mansion. And they've decided at the beginning of it that you've got either the faithful or you've got traitors. So they've got three traitors. So every single day they're kind of do tasks to win money to build up this prize pot. And then they have a meeting and they decide to try and call out one of the people who's a traitor. And if they get it right, that person just disappears. But at the end, yeah. of, every, end of every day... <laughs> The traitors get to decide. They get to murder one of the other content. Not realist. I mean, it's not real Scotland. It's not like they kill. It's not real. They don't kill and eat them or anything like that. But I watched. I watched the first first couple of minutes. My wife turns to me, goes, "You got to see the show on TV." And I like saw the concept. I went, "And that's werewolf then." (laughs) Yeah. Format. But you're right. Because I guess that's that's free or open source or whatever they call that. I don't know. Uh, I like think the they've just kind of like taken a. It's like taking a concept and just kind of like. I guess is it not down yeah. to that thing about kind of. I guess, um, when they talk about patenting kind of game mechanics and stuff like that, how it's really really difficult to do. But I think you know somebody on the production team's been playing lots of werewolf and they've just went. Yeah, okay, I've got yeah. an idea for a TV show, and we don't have to pay anybody the rights for kind of anything at all. Which is interesting. Which is the yeah. so they, yeah so that yeah if you can get it I don't you know obviously it's on BBC I don't I don't know how worldwide they do it but it's yeah it's certainly it's been interesting just to see how normal people who obviously aren't board gamers kind of interact to being put into a game which just plays like you know a card game and how they kind of it's psychologically it's really interesting about the type of people they pick out who they think they're the traitor and the type of people they automatically think they aren't the traitor there's some really strange mm-hmm. kind of social conditioning going on but it's worthwhile it's, it's it's really it's really really good so when what's when is the payback game when is that going to be out there in the wild that people can um, see have I you mean, got we have to edit it yeah yeah we have to edit it down and then i think we have a deadline at, at the latest as, as april to have it given to bell mm-hmm. and then once they air it they've got 90 days to uh of exclusivity in bells so only canadians can watch that but that's the one that has all the community extras we had to fill this extra little storyline around it uh-huh. and i'm actually in it as a producer like wow. we're, it's the story of us making the show basically which is very thin and loose just enough to accommodate their needs and ensure we get the grant money yeah and uh but then after that that's we're not sure because we have it's not picked up by anybody so once we have it we'll yeah. re-edit it down to what we actually want it to be yeah. and then we'll pitch that to people that would be cool that sounds yeah. that sounds like a, a lot that would be cool. So you could talk again yeah. in a year, talk again in a year, and you could be like talking about you know wrapping up the kind of the the paperwork to get the first series on the go, which would be pretty pretty excellent. And hopefully filming season two, that'd be wonderful. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? It that would be, be yeah. That would it was, be it's so it was so because of the grant we were able to pay everybody, all the crew, all the talent, oh, wow. and treat and treat them really nice, not just crappy pay, like actually pay them what they deserve. So it was. To me, that's one of the best things about being a publisher is just paying people yeah. to do work. It's like that they like. Uh, it's the same thing for this. So it was just great. And then, uh, and then, t- funny coincidence was that last week I was on uh, back in Vancouver because uh, I filmed in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was back in Vancouver, and and through some weird happenstance, was I found myself on the set of a Hallmark TV movie. <laughs> oh my goodness! In which they wanted to use my board games in their movie. 
Really? And because the game is, oh, sorry, the game, the movie is about two board game designers who fall in love. We're there. We've arrived. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that wild? That's but no, you, it's, I now know what it's like for when scientists, like real scientists, watch a movie that has movie science in it and they're pulling their hair out. That's yeah. not how it works. <laughs> I felt I felt the same way when I, I was watching a scene being filmed and it was so funny slash I like the she's they're in a big office with cubicles and the, the, as a game designer, she's working in a cubicle. And mm. already that's hilarious. Yeah. And somebody comes up to her and is like, what you working on? And she's like, I, I try to figure out the new board layout for the new game. Uh, what do, <laughs> wow. And she's like, what do you have? And he turns his laptop around and is like, what I was thinking was maybe if we had like uh, edges, uh, spaces around the edge of the board to move, kind of like in Monopoly. And she's like, <laughs> and she's like uh, well, yeah, but what, what would you, what would you do in the middle? And he's like, oh, I don't, I don't know. What do, what do you got so far? And she's like, oh, I was thinking something more classic, like shoots and ladders or chess. Wow. And this is the real conversation to, you know, board game designers who are about to fall in love are having. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, here's you shouting from the corner. Don't yeah. mind me. I'm just dying and slowly. And so apparently they, in some other scenes, they actually played my games in some of their scenes. And the props assistant props guy who I was talking to, he had played my management and loved it. So thankfully yeah. that was nice. Yeah. And he was pre pretty much acting like I would have acted if I was on the set because they were moving pieces willy-nilly around the board. Oh and he's like, no, 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 no. You don't. That's not how you move. That, <laughs> you can't move that character. That's, that's an immortal. You don't move immortals like that. And then like the recruiter person would randomly just pick up a feature, feature card and just start showing everybody as yeah. if she... Like, look what I'm playing. And he's like, no, you don't show cart. Ah. And he was getting frustrated, which to me was hilarious. <laughs> so that, I, that's called Game of Love. And that'll, I'm not sure. I assume next oh, year. Oh, wow. That'll be. And it, potentially it's one of these things that's going to end up in, like, Netflix <laughs> in about a year's time I, or I, so. <laughs> yeah. So it'll probably be the first uh, Hallmark movie I, I ever watch. Well, you'll probably get told about it as well. They're not gonna like. Will you not get like some yeah. kind of press release from them to say that you know? So there's a probably. there's a there's a blog. That I mean, I'm not being funny, but I mean, if you're talking about your kind of your ongoing kind of you know board game educational courses, I mean, I think there's an entire class here for what happens when your much loved board game ends up in a Hallmark movie. <laughs> 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 I think that's a kind of a, that's a kind of they, and they, they made a. They made a big poster too of uh, uh, at least the one I saw was Harrow County, and it was up just in the hallway of their you know fake business, as if they made that game. It was wonderful. Wow, that's kind of cool. You can't kind of buy buy that kind of advertising kind no. of. No, yeah, <laughs> I, they were asking they were asking me how much I charged for all you know having all. I'm like, no, you can have it. I don't want it. I'm not charging wow. anything. This is this is awesome. I love it. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So if you want if you want to keep an eye on. The game of love, <laughs> but mm -hmm. also more importantly, the the payback game TV. Where, if they want to keep an eye on you in general, where do you exist on the internet webs, Jay? Where can we? Yeah, find pretty you? much um, at off the page games on on any of the social platforms. Awesome, easy, yeah, easy, just like that. And that and you can, that game design course I, I mentioned earlier, if the, for those that are interested in that, that's at failfaster.ca. And we'll make sure, obviously we're going to make sure that all those links go into the show notes so that we've got Wonderful. notes to 
sure um, <clears throat> if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to go to the internet webs and search for We're Not Wizards and you'll find us in all the different worn out places worn out faces bright and early for the daily races we're on you know Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and just everywhere we've got a blog that we write reviews on and we've got kind of like this other website that does podcasty type things and you can find us in all those wonderful things and if you have listened along and so you've liked what you've listened to then please go to the apple podcast and drop us a review or a rating and if you are going to give us a rating or a review don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed but at the same time please don't give me one star because it will make me cry give me something like something in the middle average like a five because <laughs> it's average and we're just a little bit average but the person yeah, who's not been the person who's not been average is rather wonderful rather fantastic you come here. Thank Huzzah! you very Yay! Thank you for coming on. It's really Hey, thanks really for having appreciate. me. Always I always love talking about my favorite subject. Me. <laughs> well, I've got well, I've got I've got two two more questions. Yes. <laughs> the first question is to remember that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Jay? Uh no, we're all just humans, man. We're Good. all just humans. There's nothing magical about what we're doing. That it's that's actually the whole ethos of fail faster. Yes. You don't have to be. My thing I hate most about thing people say in their life is like they try something creative and they're not good at it. They're like, well, I guess I'm not supposed to be a sculptor. And I'm like, no, don't say that. That's there's nothing magical about what. It's just that person who's good at, at sculpting has done it for a long time and they failed just like you many times until they got to where they're at. So just keep if you enjoy it, keep doing it. Your first podcast will be awful, as I once said. Yeah. Um, it, don't strive for perfection. Just strive for getting stuff done and just putting stuff under your belt and getting experience. Absolutely. And the second thing is to ask Jay to say goodbye. So say goodbye, Jay. Goodbye, Jay. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, make something awful, and until the next time, just mind your management. Goodbye. Wizard is never linked. Noisy early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Mm-hmm.